Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. Hello, I'm G. And I'm M. And in this episode of the KMP Podcast, G and I will be discussing what makes a good sidekick and who each of our top favorite sidekicks are. Sidekick here encompasses regular protagonist sidekicks, hero sidekicks, villain sidekicks, companions, any kind of sidekicks. We love them all. They support the mains and we love them. So we wanted to just start this podcast out by kind of defining the role of sidekick. And for me, this is a secondary kind of character or companion character. And they're often kind of written as less. When I say this word lesser, I don't mean in a hierarchical, strictly hierarchical way, but they're often written as someone who has like less superpowers. They're less powerful, less in some way. Sometimes this simply means less screen time. They're just not the spotlight. Yeah. They're not. Or just they have less experience. Or less experience. That's a great way to phrase it, G. But they provide some crucial things to the story and to the main character. And some of those things might be humor because maybe the main character is more serious. They might provide a, a humorous counterpart. They might provide inspiration to the main character. They often provide loyalty. And I wanted to pose this question to you, G. Does this mean they are always the ride or die? Often they are the ride or die. But oftentimes, I feel like sort of a test of loyalty, narratively speaking, is like a pretty common element when it comes to sidekicks of like how far are they willing to go for the hero would be... A pretty common story, I feel like. Yeah, and I I agree with that. And I would say they also tend to have other unique abilities or quirks. Even if they don't have the most powerful ability, they might provide a unique ability that can really make or break a situation. And they often, or they also have their own complex and unique personality as well. That's sort of my perspective on the sidekick character. Yeah. And so the question that that I asked myself when you proposed this topic is what makes a good side pick, side pick, sidekick, <laughs> companion or accomplice? And the and, and you know, I'll, I'll also put this question to you to you, Em, but the answer I sort of came up with was narratively, I think the best sidekicks are the ones that that balance out the hero, the main character of the hero in some way, and emphasize and sort of provides a contrast of character traits. So the examples I thought of of are Watson brings out, it brings humanity to Sherlock's sort of cold logic, especially in the in the BBC show that's sort of highly emphasized, like how different they view the world. You know, he, Watson brings the humanity and Sherlock just brings the the cold logic i think another another good example of sort of a of a sidekick character that 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 sort of balances out or or emphasizes contrast is jason todd are you familiar with this character i don't think i am familiar with jason todd so can you give some background yeah so jason todd is one of the robins uh, who who is a sidekick to to batman and when his character was first published, he wasn't particularly liked as a character. 
And then they had some weird phone-in vote competition about whether the character was going to live or die. Interesting. People voted that he would die, and so the Joker killed him, which has kind of become like a defining quality trait of of the Batman story is like him failing to save Robin. Wow. Uh, So due to some comic book shenanigans, as comic books tend to do, Jason Todd comes back to life, unbeknownst to Batman, and he decides that he is going to end Gotham's crime problem his way, which is he's going to become a criminal boss himself and just start a gang war to take out all the other gangs in, in Gotham. And that's how he's going to get rid of criminals by just straight up killing them. And I think this provides an interesting contrast to Batman because Batman kind of Batman is usually written in such a way that he has a very strict like no kill policy. So having like someone that he failed to protect come back and be like, "Well, your way obviously didn't work. I died." And there's been a there's been a lot of very well written scenes about sort of Jason confronting Batman about the fact that he lets his rogues gallery like keep on living when they keep on doing such horrific things, especially the Joker. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that as much, but that's really an interesting storyline. Yeah. And you also reference another. Yeah, so this is much more niche. (laughs) I don't expect like widespread recognition, but um, Tamara Pierce's Protector of the Small series, the main character, Keladri, is very stoic. And her best friend, Neil, who I would consider to be Keladri's sidekick, in the story is much more silly and sarcastic and they sort of complement each other in the story because Keldry is so stoic you know there are times where I don't think it would make for interesting dialogue considering how stoic she is but having Neil there sort of brings the humor and the contrast but that That, is much more niche (laughs) it is more niche but it also really ties into what I was saying about those traits beforehand like humor inspiration loyalty and so on because those are sort of like those things that i think make good sidekicks mm-hmm. those traits um so i appreciate that you're bringing in like that that character has that silliness that complements you said it was keldry keldry i think is, keldry. I've, I've only ever read it okay i've only ever read it but i think it's pronounced keldry keldry okay the stoic nature yeah, and I wanted to talk about some of my sort of favorite sidekick slash companions. And also, you know, going back to like what makes a good sidekick, I think what drives it is that in the end of the day, it's that they really believe in the main character. Like they truly believe in the ideals that the main character is upholding and they're willing to like give their all in into it like they're willing to unite in that spirit and sometimes when the hero or the main character or the villain whoever they're they're the sidekick for is starting to sway from that path the sidekick gets them back on track yeah and vice versa like i think it goes both ways so i wanted to bring up tng as an example uh star trek tng it's mm-hmm. it's really hard to pick a bridge crew as like a good example of a sidekick because they all are helping each other out and there's no one really main character. 
But if I had to pick someone as being like the protagonist, I would say Picard being the captain kind of makes a good like main character. Yeah. Even though he's not the main character. So I was thinking about how I really like how Riker is. First of all, he is his number one. Number one. Number one. And he I think he does a really great job. And I think that has to do with his he has a more playful attitude. He, you know, Picard's a little bit more serious. Riker is a little bit more playful. But he also still like really shows up to his work like 100%. And he shows up and supports the captain, obviously 100%. So I really appreciate Riker's character as to balance out Picard. I think they make a good sort of pairing in that way. Yeah, I do think they have a good dynamic. And I know you haven't watched the the original series, but I think Spock and McCoy make good make good sidekicks for Kirk, Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. who is definitely the main like TNG. They sort of more evenly distributed the the storylines. I feel like in the original series, it was definitely the Kirk show with Spock and McCoy. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that Spock makes a very good sidekick. I don't I don't know McCoy so much. So my understanding from what I think the original intention for for the writing of those three characters is that they're like the three parts of the mind, like Spock is supposed to represent the super ego, McCoy is supposed to kind of represent the id, and Kirk sort of bridges the two together as the ego. Oh, very interesting. I don't know how much they stuck with that, but I think that was the original intention of sort of their dynamic of like Kirk says, this is the problem we have. Spock presents like a very cold, like logical solution, but it's kind of lacking humanity. And McCoy is like, you cold blooded Vulcan. So, yeah, I I think they those two also are very good examples of sidekicks. Nice. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever go back and watch the original series, but I've heard good things about, you know, I've heard some good things in some ways and not so good things in other ways. I definitely think even if you don't watch the entire series, there are some foundational episodes that are good to watch. That makes sense. So I had also watched all of Doctor Who so far. No, you're ahead of me in Doctor Who. Not the really old series. I had watched all of the contemporary no. series. Who has time to watch all 18, 20 seasons of the old Doctor Who? But my favorite companion so far is Donna. Mm-hmm. She is so good. She really keeps the Doctor in check. I love her as like, she is stubborn. She puts her foot down. And she's not in love with him. She's not in love with the Doctor, which I don't think that's a default bad thing for sidekicks. but. I think it does detract from other aspects of the sidekick main character relationship or protagonist relationship. So like I, I really liked her as a sidekick because she wasn't afraid to tell the doctor when he was wrong. And when he was, he was not doing things the correct way. Like, no, you are being an idiot. You are not doing things according to the, Like, you're not even doing things how you say you should be doing them. So get with it. And I think that it really helped that she wasn't having romantic feelings. And it was nice not to have that be, you know, constantly pushed in the story. And I just it helps the dynamic, in my opinion. Yeah, I I definitely I definitely think I 
I prefer it when the Doctor's companion is not a romantic interest, with the exception being like Rose and David Tennant. Like they had such good chemistry together that I loved watching them. But I, I, I do love Donna. But I think my favorite sort of dynamic is sort of the the found family dynamic when it's the Doctor and Amy and Rory traveling together. So I, I will say I, I'll disagree with you on these because. For me personally. Well, I think it's great. Whatever you like, you like. I was neither here nor there about Rose with the doctor. And Mm -hmm. I really struggled with Amy, Rory, and what? who was that, Matt? Yeah, Matt Smith. Yeah. I struggled with them for quite a bit. Look at you knowing actors' names. Well, you kind of have to because with the doctor, it's just all the doctor. Yeah, it does does kind of make it necessary to clarify which doctor you're talking about. So then I had to learn some of the names, but I still can't remember all of them. I have to also sometimes I have to say the old doctor and the lady doctor. I know Matt. I didn't remember his last name and David and who else? That other guy, the ninth doctor whose name is escaping me right now. Yeah, that guy. But I struggled with the, I really liked the found family that is with the lady doctor, whose name is escaping me. Jodie Whittaker. Yes, Jodie. Yes. I really liked her, her little family. I loved it, actually. Okay. I thought their dynamic was really good, especially the, the older gentleman in that family. But you didn't get through the lady doctor, Jodie Whittaker? No, I think I might watch like the first half of the first season with her okay well i really liked her i liked her a lot yeah i i know it's just like it's just like my focus is hard it's hard for me to like actually like watch things all the way through if there's not somebody watching stuff with me mm-hmm. but yeah i will so hmm, i'm not sure if this is like a good question for the podcast but like which could you do you think you could identify like which companion you dislike the most and the reason why? Are you asking me? Yeah. I really do think it's Amy Pond. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really disliked her. Okay. I know it's so it's such an unpopular opinion, but she was right. annoying. She constantly she was working against the doctor in a lot of ways. And I didn't like that. And then she and they weren't being honest with each other and their dynamic was not helpful. Okay. It it's just the communication was not there for me. Okay. But I know that that's gonna hurt some people who are listening to this podcast, and I apologize. I mean, it's your opinion. Yeah, I could also cut it out and then not risk people hating hating this podcast because I said that. I know I should hate on like Clara or someone. Yeah, I I, I dislike Clara a lot. Because it never, it never felt like she actually had a character. She just kind of felt like a plot device the entire time. Like the one point where they actually gave her some characterization was like right towards the end of her arc where she was like starting to become too reckless. And like the doctor was like trying to like get her to like slow down and like think more mm-hmm. and eventually got her killed. And then they immediately, they immediately went back on that. It's like, oh no, the doctor is willing to destroy time to save Clara's life. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like how in Doctor Who, what I've noticed, not that this should be a Doctor Who podcast, we could do a Doctor Who podcast, that would be a good podcast to do. 
death is very easy to overwrite mm-hmm. in Doctor Who. And it made a lot of the stakes not real. I mean, I think that's a problem you're going to have with any show that's focused on time travel. <laughs> yeah, but there's like a lot of the doctors had like a moral thing of like, I will not play with that. And then they did it anyway. Yeah. So I I also wanted to mention, it's not in here, but I wanted to talk about My Hero Academia really quickly. Okay. Hit me. Uh, which is, he's not really a sidekick, but it's hard to classify him. Now that I've watched through season six of My Hero Academia, because that's where it's on to right now, and I know that the manga is much further, so of course, like, spoilers for... Well, spoilers for everything that we're talking about, but for those who are not caught up on My Hero Academia, we are talking about it. I guess it's not super spoilers, but just like, just no character growth happens for this character. Because I want to talk about Bakugo. Bakugo is sort of like this asshole-ish character to the main character, who like was a bully to the main character. But he ends up sort of supporting the main character through doing... He He doesn't... He starts to bully him like less and less and then ends up redirecting that assholeish energy into actually like doing not explicitly nice things for the main character, but, you know, helping him train, helping him develop his superpowers. And he ends up in season six, like actually saying and doing some like genuinely sweet things for the main character And so he's not explicitly in this sidekick role, but he acts in a support role in like fights and in certain scenes and in training and stuff like that. And so I thought he was an interesting take on this kind of like sidekick character because he's so aggressive. He's like this total asshole who's acting in more of a support role. And so I would say like for the large part of My Hero Academia so far, I've really hated him as a because i'm like this guy is not helpful he's really shitty he's not a friend and you know i don't think assholes make very good sidekicks but that being said in this last season you know the character growth really came and i was like oh now he's changing that he's and he's using that energy towards actually fueling the main character and so thought that was interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a good dynamic or a good storytelling device. It was kind of hard for me to sit through, though, because for, you know, the first five seasons, he's like, ooh, 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 ooh. OK, it's just going to become the podcast. Ooh. ooh, ooh, stop saying that. That's mean. So I never really got into Lord of the Rings, but. In an article that I read on how to write a good sidekick character, the author notes that Samwise Gamgee, is that right? Yeah. From Sam, Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings is fiercely loyal to, to Frodo Baggins, risking his own life risking his own life time and time and time again to protect his friend. He also has a strong sense of morality, refusing to give in to temptation even when it would mean saving his own skin. And from the literal, I do, from what I remember of Lord of the Rings, and I don't remember a lot, I remember feeling like Sam was the real hero of the story. I really do. And I'll link that article that I just referenced in the show notes. 
Yeah, I mean, Sam definitely plays an important role in The Lord of the Rings. And, but I will admit one thing that your your note made me think of, which is, so if Samwise is an example of like an amazing sidekick, I feel like Golem is a good example of like an anti-sidekick. <laughs> like he does perform a lot of the sidekick functions in the last movie or last book, depending on which ones you've seen or read. You know, he serves as a contrast to the main character, Frodo. For a while, they have similar goals. But, you know, in the end, you know, Golem obsession with the ring sort of overrides everything else. So I thought it was interesting to sort of view Golem as like an anti-sidekick, if that makes sense. I think it makes sense. So like you wouldn't view Golem as a villain. Not definitely not like a traditional villain. Like right. a traditional villain, I feel like has goals and a plan to like accomplish something. Golem just has his obsession and nothing else. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, speaking of villains, we've been yeah. talking a lot about sidekicks for heroes and like protagonists. What about the best villain sidekick? And the number one that I could think of is like Harlequin, maybe, probably. That's the one that I can think of off the top of my head. I don't mm -hmm. know her that well, but she's pretty famous. So that's what. Yeah, I mean, she's mean. now popular enough that she has like her own like TV shows and she, she's become the protagonist of her own story. Yeah, she was the one that I was like, yeah, it seems pretty badass. Yeah. So I did think of a few other villain sidekicks. And I think so if we were to go to that wonderful but terrible website, tvtropes.org, I think usually the main sidekick to a villain it will be referred to as the dragon. That's the trope that they use to identify like the main sidekick. Good examples of that I could think of of like villainous sidekicks was uh, Count Rugen from The Princess Bride, the six-fingered man who is the sidekick slash henchperson, henchman of, 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 the, of the prince. Darth Vader from Wait, Star Wars. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Darth Vader is not a sidekick, right? I mean, to the Emperor, yes. Wait, I thought Darth Vader was the Emperor. No, no. Who's the Emperor? The Emperor is Palpatine. Palpatine is someone different? Yes. Oh, I have it all confused. I truly don't understand anything. I thought Darth Vader was Luke's father. Who That's was correct. Old, and I thought Darth Vader was Palpatine. No. I thought he takes off his mask and he goes, I'm Palpatine. I mean, it makes just about as much sense as the last movie, so. Okay, so Darth Vader is actually a sidekick? Yes. Wow. Like he is Palpatine, Emperor Palpatine's like sort of chief enforcer. That makes so much more sense now. What, what makes sense now? Because I saw one of the newer movies. Yeah. And I was like, well, who's that guy? Yes. Emperor Palpatine, Darth Vader, different characters. If Got it helps it. at all, technically... Emperor Palpatine's Sith name is Darth Sidious. So he is a Darth different Darth. is not part of the name. It's like a title. It's like a title. Yes. It's like a Sith title. 
Oh, it's a title. Yeah. Sort of like Jedi Skywalker, Darth Sidious, Darth Vader, Jedi Kenobi. I thought Darth Vader was like a first and a last name. No. Oh, got it. I'm learning so much. So learning okay, so, so much about Star Wars. So I'm learning that Darth Vader is a sidekick. Yes. And Davy Jones from Pirate of the Caribbean. I've uh, seen that movie, but it's been a while. So can you refresh my memory? So he is initially presented as sort of being the big bad, but quickly comes under the thumb of of Cutler Beckett, something Beckett, who is like the East India Company man who's like trying to take over the Caribbean. Okay, I must not remember that storyline very well. It got real complicated real fast. <laughs> okay. Like, I, I'm i hazy on the details, and I'm usually pretty good at remembering, like, the details of storylines. So so those, are, I think, are good examples of, like, sort of villainous sidekicks. But I think an interesting thing that I noticed with, like, some of the villainous sidekicks that I thought of is that the villain sidekick is actually allowed to be more powerful than the main bad guy. Like, Davy Jones is substantially more powerful than this random East India Company man. Something Beckett. But the main bad guy can keep on being the main bad guy as long as he is more cunning, which is interesting. I would agree with that because if I'm remembering correctly, a lot of the main bad guys, they might even be like physically weak. They might even lack superpowers, but they might be really intelligent, really super smart, really clever or whatever. Or sometimes they're just like really super wealthy. Mm hmm. And that's how they get everything. And then they have the big, strong, or super powerful people or really super smart people do the work for them. But I remember, I think it was in Doctor Who that some of like the mastermind Daleks, if I remember, some of the the main Daleks are like not the, not the more powerful Daleks, but they're like just the more clever ones, if okay. I'm kind of remembering vaguely. Because they're kind of like always like hiding away. Like if you come near me, I'm going to die because I'm fragile and old. Is that the Daleks thing? That's not the Dalek thing I remember. Am I mixing this up with something else? Yeah, the, the Daleks thing is like exterminate. Okay, I might be mixing this up with something else. Yeah, they want to exterminate everything. Okay, scratch everything I just said. Okay. I'm thinking of something else. Maybe you're thinking about poverty. Is that what he's like? Yeah, he does pretend he he spends most of the series like sort of pretending that he's not as he hiding his true identity as being the Sith Lord. Interesting. But yeah, I agree with your assessment about their they can be more powerful that the sidekicks can be more powerful, but the main bad guy is more cunning. Yeah. And of course, if you keep on checking out tvtropes.org, there is a whole sidekick index of sidekick tropes. Some ones I'd like to point out as like being some interesting tropes are the battle butler. Yeah, hold on. I want to I'm pulling up the list because I wanted to explain them as we go down the list. Okay. So battle butler is a fighting sidekick who is also employed by the hero as a servant. Nice. Yeah, that feels like a very anime trope. I like that. But I guess that also applies to like the Green Hornet, which is like a sort of superhero series. The Secret Keeper. 
the secret keeper is a sidekick who knows a big secret about the hero. Yeah. The sassy secretary. A mouthy and sarcastic secretary sidekick. And the Watson. And the Watson is a sidekick who exists to ask questions on behalf of the audience, which I think is a great literary device. Yeah. And thank you for sharing the TV Chirps thing. I also read that article, which the TV Chirps article, which I'll post in the show notes. And it interestingly points out that the sidekick, quote, often gets themselves in trouble so the hero can rescue them, unquote. I'm not sure how the true that is of all the sidekicks that we listed earlier, but I think it can go both ways. And a good sidekick should also be able to rescue the hero as well. I think... I think on the balance, like if you looked at like all of media on balance, the sidekick is probably being rescued more than the hero just because of the narrative sort of the, the more narrative importance is put on the hero yeah, being more able to of do the, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like the, the showtime and yeah. The, yeah, the spotlight is put yeah, on the, spot- the spotlight is put on the main character. But I do think that if, cause it, we, we're talking about what makes a good sidekick. Yeah. And I do think a good sidekick would be able to have an episode where they save the hero. Oh, yeah, the, definitely. Or the protagonist, whatever. Yeah. Or the antagonist. Or the we're talking about villain sidekick. Yeah. And as we wrap up this episode, I wanted to bring it back because, you know, this is the Kinky Nerdy Polly podcast. Okay. And... This could tie into DS dynamics, which we've talked about before on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So how do these dynamics, you know, being a sidekick, how does it relate to being in an S-type role? Does it relate to being in an S-type role? Or maybe is it the dominant who relates more to being as a sidekick? I think it can go either way, depending on the type of dynamic that it is. But it did get me thinking about that a little bit. Interesting. And just to clarify for our audience folks, DS dynamic being a power exchange dynamic, which is typically abbreviated for dominant slash submissive. Yeah, interesting. I had not thought about it that way. Yeah, I could see it going either way. Like either the bottom is the sidekick. Then you could like role play, like you could do like a scene based off like rescuing them or something along those lines. But also there there is like a trope of like, the, the hyper-competent sidekick who's, like, actually much more competent than the hero. It's just the hero gets all the star- gets all the fame and glory. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely could see it going either way. Yeah, um, I think the qualities that make a good sidekick, like, you know, loyalty and the sort of really believing in and holding up the ideals of the protagonist or main character, I think that those things are things that I would value in in a DS relationship and like in a side uh, S type. And it's so it's yeah, it might might as well just be dominant slash. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't an MS dynamic anymore. It's main character slash sidekick dynamic. It's not like, you know, the uh, master slave anymore. Yeah, you could you could keep the acronym MS main character sidekick. It's not main character sidekick dynamic. Yeah, that would be interesting. I'm cu- I'm curious to see how that would play out. Like, I can kind of see how it plays out in the scene. But, you know, since I'm not, like, super into, like, DS, like, I'm curious to see how that would play out, like, in an actual, like, relationship. Yeah, in terms of, like, a, a more formalized dynamic. Yeah. 
yeah, I agree that it could be tricky to put to put it into a 24-7 or even just like a longer form. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's what it's, again, supporting, supporting the person, believing in them and their ideals and really wanting to like rally behind them. Yeah, I, the more I think about it, like the more ways I can think about how it'd work in a longer term relationship. Mm-hmm. Like instead of it being like I, it, it as as a dynamic, it'd be sort of a little bit less less controlling, but just be like you know I'm, I guess I'm sort of pulling more from like comic book sidekicks, where like you've got these like people that you're mentoring and like mm-hmm. sort of helping them become like better superheroes. Right. So that's kind of where I'm sort of pulling my thoughts from about like, oh, you know, I'm sending you on this errand so that you, you know, and I'm, I'm I need you to do these things because they need because they'll make you a better person and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how I'm imagining it in my head right now. Yeah. A little bit more of a I'm not quite sure what the right word is I'm looking for. And I think that that mentorship can definitely be in DS relationships as well. I guess the way I'm thinking about it would be like a sort of more traditional DS dynamic is based a little bit more on like negative reinforcement, you know, sort of the idea of punishments and stuff. And this seems a little bit more based around the idea of like positive reinforcement. Like I'm doing, you know, you need to do these things and I like reward you if you do these things. But I mean, this I know, is just all in my head. Yeah, I know plenty of DS dynamics that don't involve punishment at all, but. Yeah, I think I think you it wouldn't even necessarily have to have reinforcement. I mean, it would probably have like an intrinsic reward, but like the idea of just like I th- I feel like it would be very like service oriented because you're again in that supportive role, but it could also have that training aspect where like you were just saying where superheroes are training other like training sidekicks to like become better, like yeah, I think that it, it could also work that way, because if I'm remembering correctly about like power exchange history, a lot of the times like submissives used to be trained to become dominance. Interesting. Like they would be in like apprenticeship roles. Definitely you, doesn't feel like that's how modern day DS works. Oh, it's totally not right, because we would view that as like, oh, you're not supposed to be in that role if you're not like born feeling that role. But like before, it was that you were supposed to experience what it was like to be on the flip side. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I just started. So like that's I just when I was thinking about this episode, I was like, oh, well, this like sidekick dynamic could totally be a DS dynamic. Yeah. All right. That's all I have. I don't think I have anything else either. And so with that, if you'd like to support us, if you'd like to be our sidekick. Oh, yeah. You can donate at the bottom of the show notes. And please also share this with your top sidekicks and with all those who support you on your kick-ass journey. This is G. This is M. Don't be afraid to love how you love. Love what you love. And love who you love. If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KNP Podcast. You can find us at knppodcast.tumblr.com or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. I need to up the cheese. I think I need to have at least 10 more pounds of cheese. And then 
it might come back positive so I don't have to nuke my gallbladder. It sounds like you're just nuking in a different way with cheese instead of radiation. Which is way better, right? <laughs> like if I had to choose between nuking my gallbladder with cheese and nuking my gallbladder with radiation, I'd choose cheese. <laughs>